In my senior year of high school, my friend Bruce was caught cheating on a test. Uh, We had English together, eighth period, the last class of the day, right before cross-country practice. Uh, Now, the test in question happened to be on a story we were supposed to have been reading, Beowulf, an old English tale with folk heroes and a scary evil monster, something that I think the the tech-savvy animators and the the video game designers today would just have a blast with, but we were not impressed. Anyway, our, our teacher had looked over Bruce's answers on his test, and some of his answers were similar to some answers she had seen from the third period class, uh, similar enough that it raised our teacher's suspicions. And so she decided to talk to Bruce privately. She asked him to stay after school. Now, I think Bruce may have had his own suspicions, too, because he asked me to stay with him, and I did. Well, the class period came to a close, and all the others went out the door to buses or after-school activities. And we were left alone with our teacher, She invited us to come to the front of the room to where her desk was. She asked us to be seated. She was very calm. She asked Bruce about some of his answers on the test. She wanted to know, did he have help? He didn't answer right away. Kind of stiffened up and stared at the floor. And then he did a very strange thing for a 12th grade guy. His his lip began to quiver, and his eyes filled up. And then our teacher did an even stranger thing. She reached out both of her hands and grabbed a hold of his hand and, and held it. And they just stayed there like that for, well, what seemed a long time. It was quiet. You could hear the clock tick. The moment just held us there. And Bruce's tears ran down his face. No words were really necessary. The student whose hand our teacher had grasped was sorry for what he had done, and maybe a little scared, too. After all, he was a senior, a senior who was applying to colleges, and a failing grade would not look good on a transcript. Um, It could change his life. See, our teacher had a lot of power in that situation, a lot of power. In the end, she decided not to count that test score towards his final grade. She knew that Bruce had learned a valuable lesson, far more valuable than anything she could teach him about British literature. That day what I saw was our teacher empower and equip her student. 
the, the temptation to cheat would always be there for Bruce in the entire rest of his life. The temptation could take many forms in many settings, but it wouldn't go away. But that day, Bruce left the classroom better prepared for all that lay ahead. Better prepared. Because she had given him the opportunity to have a meeting with his integrity. On that particular day, it wasn't an easy meeting he had with his integrity. But he and his integrity had become close friends. And our teacher knew that that friendship would last. That empowerment for life was the result of kindness. Kindness. Guinness the day is a lelus Christoi, you splanknoi, carizamanoi, heatois, cathos kaihatha as en Christo, ekarisata humin. So be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. I don't know why that memories. That memorized one sticks with me. I've tried to do the Lord's Prayer for years. I can't get it. I get stuck on the debts and debtors line. But that one sticks. And it's a good one. That empowerment for, the, for life was the result of kindness. There's an opinion out there, perhaps you've noticed, that kindness is weak. It's a soft-boiled egg that runs at the first jostle. Kindness is a piñata in a world of sticks. It has no place in the tough world we live in. Well, what I learned one day in high school is not that, but that kindness is powerful and kindness is transforming. It's like what we read in Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who revere him. For God knows how we are made. God knows how we are made. God remembers that we are dust. Hmm. God's kindness towards us is like a parent towards a child. What's that like? Well, what, what a parent knows is that children are vulnerable. Children are vulnerable. They have to learn about life. And it doesn't happen all at once. It takes time. Rome wasn't built in a day. When children experience kindness from parents, when they have a safe place to fall, they are encouraged to work at doing the right thing. When children know that the parent is on their side, both when they succeed and when they fail, children learn to persevere with themselves in their own trials and errors, their own ups and downs, and they have the encouragement to try again. Psalm 103 says that's what God is like. That's what God is like. God's kindness has very much in mind our vulnerability and our need to have the time to learn about life. 
God has that fully in mind, like a parent with a child. And God's unhurried, dependable kindness creates an environment where people are encouraged to choose the right thing. It's powerful. Kindness is powerful. Paul says it in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, God's kindness and forbearance and patience are there to lead us to repentance, to guide us to repentance, that is, to try again. That's why God is kind. God wants us to try again. And the church, in imitation of God, is the community which does that for each other. So be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Now, I'm not naive. Kindness is challenging. Kindness is challenging. What, what constitutes real kindness in any particular situation is not always easy to discern. Well, when your young child is crying in the middle of the night, is it uh, kind to attend to her immediately? Or is it kind in the long run to let her cry a while so that she learns to calm herself down? Which is kind? It's not always obvious. Uh, In other situations, How do we keep kindness from being indulging? How do we keep kindness from enabling undesirable or even harmful behaviors? It's not always obvious. Or in a complex situation, kindness towards one party might be unkindness to another party. Kindness is challenging. So we pray We take counsel with one another in order to help us find the way when how to be kind is not obvious. Kindness is challenging. Nevertheless, despite the challenges, kindness is still the general disposition and guideline for the followers of Jesus. We should be disposed to find the kind way. And dear friends, Today, all of the places that we spend our time are in great need of kindness. We need kindness in the workplace. We really need kindness in the workplace. In my lifetime, I've, I've watched some, what I considered 30 years ago or so, to be some positive and promising overtures towards progressive management styles. But I have seen those overtures collide with an anxious and unpredictable and competitive world economy. And in that collision, I have watched workers get squeezed like sponges, squeezed for more and more hours and more work for less pay and less benefits. I have seen people in job settings become less human to each other between management and employees, between management and management, between employees and employees. It's not healthy. 
And many justify that inhumanness and unkindness in the name of profit. I don't see it working in the big picture. I don't have the answers, but our workplaces are in great need of kindness. We also, friends, need to be kind in our marriages. We need to practice kindness there. Husbands and wives know more about each other than any other human beings. We see it all in each other. We know each other's weaknesses, especially the weaknesses that make us vulnerable. That is privileged information and never to be used against the other. We need to be each other's safe place to fall in our marital relationships. Husbands and wives, we need to be kind to one another. And no matter what Mennonite Church USA finally decides about same-sex relationships, one thing we should keep always in the forefront, how do we dignify each other? How do we all dignify each other in the process? How do we be kind and not lose sight of our common humanity? It's so easy to build caricatures of others who hold different opinions. We turn them into straw dogs of our own invention to either defeat or defend. In either case, they are no longer people, but they no longer people made in the image of God, but they are creations of our own imagination. That dehumanizes everyone. Kindness means refusing to turn people into issues. On January 8, 2011, United States Representative Gabby Giffords was speaking to a crowd that had gathered in a shopping uh, supermarket parking lot near Tucson, Arizona. Without warning, a gunman opened fire. He shot 19 people, including Representative Giffords. Six of them died. Following the shooting, President Obama addressed the nation. It's the only time that I can ever remember an American president speaking to the public on the subject of kindness. Well, the president acknowledged the tragedy, but also asked us to, to notice glimpses of hope that were present in the event. He said that the people who gathered that day were exercising the very best in popular government. They were meeting face to face with their representative in Congress, what, what is a pillar of popular government. They were exercising their rights to peaceful assembly and free speech. President Obama then went on to mention each of the victims by name. He, he mentioned some of their life stories and their personalities and contributions. He also praised those who had helped others at the scene of the shooting. He said, heroism is all around us just waiting to be summoned. And then the present president asked, what is required of us going forward? Our public discourse has become sharply polarized. 
It is essential that we talk to each other in ways that heal and do not wound. We cannot use this tragedy, he said, as one more occasion to turn on each other. We need to exercise humility. We need to expand our moral imagination. We need to show empathy for those with whom we disagree. In short, the president asked us to be a kinder America. Huh, a wonderful message. I say amen. And yet I wonder, when he asks for more kindness, is he or his listeners or anyone connecting the dots? Is anyone connecting the dots? That awful day in Tucson saw one particular dot. Her name was Christina Taylor Green, a nine-year-old. She, ironically, entered life on September 11, 2001, the same day terrorists flew planes into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. She left this life, killed by a terrorist, in a country that still glorifies violence and still makes it as easy as possible to get a gun. When the president asks us to be a kinder America, I think about Christina. And I wonder, is anyone connecting the dots? Three thousand sit above the ice, then stand, shed hats, hide hearts, sing rockets' red glare, while two stay seated. Two look down, look far off to where the bomb blast's heat made the child a decal on the shelter floor. Is anyone connecting the dots? Do we expect a kinder America when our government pours money like a torrent into the state of Israel, who turns around and uses it to terrorize Palestinians? Do we expect children to stop bullying each other at school when their parents are tearing each other apart on radio talk shows. Is anyone connecting the dots? Dear friends, the dots are connected. The dots are connected. And if we would be a kinder society, we're going to have to see how the dots are connected. And we're going to have to be consistently kind. Consistently kind. In the meantime, brothers and sisters, be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you.
The empowerment for life, which was the result of kindness, as spoken by Pastor Dave in his sermon today, has been shown to me in numerous settings throughout my life. These would include positive communications, laughter, and interest shown in my life. Positive communication comes from fellow workers, mentors, teachers, and church members. This communication may be in the way of a verbal response, a written text, or a handwritten note. I always enjoy receiving a note of support and affirmation. Therefore, I also like to send such notes. Kindness also includes joy from laughter. Laughter in my life comes from the art of being where I am and being able to see the blessings God gives us each day. I am able to laugh at my shortcomings and am forever learning that I have a long way to go in the kindness category of life. The daily interest in my life for kindness includes cooking. My mother, grandmothers, daughters, 4-H leaders, home ec teachers, and friends have all been willing and kind to teach me to cook various dishes. Bob, my husband, through his kindness, has been willing to compliment even my worst attempt at cooking. I've passed this kindness on to others by teaching individuals to cook and bake various dishes. I've been able to teach others how to make a variety of dishes. Now may I read to you the recipe from the cover of the Whitestone Mennonite Church cookbook, The Recipe for Life. One cup of good thoughts, one cup of kind deeds, one cup of consideration for others, three cups of forgiveness, two cups well-beaten faults. Mix thoroughly and add tears of joy, sorrow, and sympathy for others. Fold in four cups prayer and faith to lighten other ingredients and raise the texture to great heights of Christian living. After pouring all this into your daily life, bake well with the heat of human kindness. Serve with a smile. I've been able to pass along kindness due to the kindness shown to me. If we can each show a little bit more kindness, maybe we can see a little more kindness in our world.